Hello and welcome to another episode of Toxic as Fuck, where we are creating conversations around toxicity, how it manifests, and what we are doing to heal. Today I am joined by the lovely Miss Cynthia and we discuss toxic maternal relationships as well as her sobriety. Enjoy! How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm hanging in there. I have a bit of a cold, but I'm still, I made it. <laughs> oh no, you know, the fall starting. I know. <laughs> I'm half too late, acting like I'm not my age. So I probably have had it coming. <laughs> well, I'm so glad you could be here. I'm glad you could make it. Um, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Um, my name is Cynthia. I am a, well, what I do for a living right now, I work in advertising. I've been in that for quite some time. But where my passion lies is I'm currently hosting a podcast called Getting Your Shit Together. And it deals with, uh, it deals with a lot of different things. But primarily, it started off as just me talking about being in recovery. I used to uh, drink quite a bit. I would consider myself an alcoholic, actually. And talking about that and actually and then and then from that realizing just how it wasn't just the alcohol that was part of the problem but like how everything else in my life the relationships I've had in my life with my family romantic friends anything and everything really kind of like led me down this path to really coping through very self-destructive ways so I ended up taking it to the podcast surprisingly enough which is interesting because I'm publicly private I'm I don't really talk a lot about myself in general, but ever since I got sober this year, I got sober January 1st, I have just been like, hey, I'm being honest about it. I'm being very candid about it. There's no shame. There's just like, this is it. Because, you know, I'm working through it. And I feel like I've, and that's another reason why I've been into, this, into my podcast is because I just want to tell people that it's okay. You know, it doesn't matter your age. I'm in my 30s. Um, doesn't matter your age, doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter anything, like if you're struggling with something, you know, you can work your way through it. And that's, that's how my podcast was born. Well, congratulations. That's amazing that, you know, you're starting your podcast. Well, you started your podcast and you're able to tell everybody your story. I think that's kind of why I started my podcast as well, because I think that um, if if you can help one person with your story, like, I feel like a lot of times we, we, we can feel quite alone in our trauma, yeah. the things that we go through. And it's a beautiful thing when we can stand up and really tell our stories. I agree 100%. Like this has been I, I think it's the the types of relationships and things that I've been forming out of my podcast and the people that I've been meeting, because I really believe like, you know, everybody's on this whole manifestation and like this like rah, 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 kumbaya thing. But I, and I, before I was very cynical and I was like, fuck that, you know? And, but now that I've been really in it and just like doing this podcast and being very open and honest and just like, this is it, this is being authentic, you know, I've been meeting so many people that were like, you know, your podcast is really brave. Like, I totally understand. And, and like, I listen to their stuff too. And I'm like, I totally get where you're coming from. 
And I, and it's sort of like, we should talk about this type of stuff. We should all collectively heal, whatever that is for you. And, um, you know, healing is different for everybody, but I don't think you should ever feel like ashamed by what you went through because at least, you know, you're trying to make sense of it. I think for me, truly, I just didn't know myself. Like I didn't, I grew up in environments and I know this is going to be part of like what we're going to go into, but like I grew up in a family where you know I always felt like I was second best and that there was always something wrong with me like I was never praised at all I was always like told what was wrong you know so I was very critical I think I got a lot of critical um reinforcement from my family and so I at the so then I learned to just say okay well there's as a problem there it's problematic who I am obviously you know, because I was very inquisitive, I was very smart, I was all these things, you know, because I was just very curious, and I still am curious, but then it was like, you know, drive my parents crazy, or drive, you know, my relatives crazy, or my teachers and stuff, so I was like, okay, well, let me just project what I think they want, so, you know, I always, so I was, I came obsessed into, like, this is kind of, like, the perfect, like, this is how the perfect daughter would be, perfect sister, perfect student, whatever, but then I would, so I would do that, and then I would mirror that, and so I, got, I became really good at being, being able to do that. And I'm actually really great at reading people through that. So I kind of see it as kind of a positive now. But back then, I, but that doesn't help you form a sense of self, you know. And, but, and then at the same time, I was doing that, mirroring what I thought people want. And then I would grow resentful and self-destruct and self-sabotage because I was mad that there, why was I made, like, why do I have to do this and go through this and jump through all these hoops or made to feel like I had to jump through all these hoops? What was so wrong with me? Why couldn't they love or see me? So that in, so that in that sense, I became very withdrawn, very private in the sense that, you know, every time that I've tried to show or share that part of me, people are like, well, no, that's a little too out there. That's a little too, you know, I don't understand like why, why you think that way. No one else thinks that way. And so I just learned to just keep everything inside and just show what I think, you know, what I thought people wanted to see. So I just never really knew myself growing up, really. And I don't, I don't truthfully think I'd start to really figure myself out until I got sober this year. Like, I kind of knew certain things about myself. But, I, but if someone asked me to say, like, name, like, you know, name, like, five of your, like, five of your values or what you stand for, I would just look at you like, oh. You know, I'm, I, I guess I'm a good person, you know, I wouldn't be able to go into any specifics or detail. So, of course, when it comes to just talking in the space online or in person, like I didn't really have much to say. I typically surround myself with people that talked more than I did and just let them talk. And I still enjoy just like hearing people talk and like learning about people. And, but being able to reciprocate that, it, I struggled. And I probably still do I'm better at it now but I'm learning that you can't be like now I feel like I'm so honest that I'm trying to learn to be like okay you can't just come out the gate with you know no holds barred honesty you kind of have to see where the other person is coming from first but then part of me is like fuck it life is short (laughs) (laughs) this is where I am Okay. And um, how did you kind of uh, get to that point? Like, what kind of lessons did you learn through your sobriety to be able to get you to the point that you are now? Oh, I think when I first decided to get sober last year, I 
um, had like my doctor and my therapist were like, yo, you really need to look at what you're doing and you're, do you want to kill yourself type of thing? Because I'm, I work in advertising. I used to, I'm very social. A lot of people I know are drinking and doing a lot of stuff, but I was like, I'm just doing whatever everybody else is doing, right? But when I started taking stock of stuff, I realized, well, it's probably a little too, I do go a little too hard sometimes. And it was showing up. I was gaining all this weight, doing all this stuff. My health was really bad. And then I would do a lot of things and act out because I wasn't able to really process or know how to handle my emotions. So mm-hmm. I would do a lot of stupid, ridiculous shit. And stuff that would reflect that you don't really care or love yourself, right? And I remember at the end of the last year, I came back from a party where I, like, showed my ass. It was so bad. And I was like, oh, my God. If I don't change now, then I might as well just sign up and say, I'm going to be a shit show for the rest of my life, you know? Mm. So, yeah, I was going to sign up and say, like, I was going to be a shit show for the rest of my life. And I'm like, but then I said to myself, I don't want that. I, that's not the, I'm not really feeling anything. I'm numb most of the time. I have all these feelings that I don't know it, like what I'm feeling exactly. It's just, it's a mess. I'm tired of it. So I made a promise to myself last year that I would learn to love myself, even though I, I didn't know how to do that. And I said it out loud and I wrote it down and everything like that. I don't know what came over me, but because I don't, I never talked like that to myself ever, but I said, I'm going to figure this shit out. And I knew that in order to do that, I really had to change my life. And drinking was a huge part of that. And I thought, oh, it's just going to be stopping alcohol and that's it. And I thought that that was just going to be it. But that's easy. Stopping the drinking, if you're really hell-bent on stopping, is the easy part. It's like when everything else comes back, when you start realizing you have all these feelings and emotions, something happens, you have your first really horrible day at work, you're like, I want to kill everybody. And I can't calm myself down my normal way because that's not what I'm doing anymore. Someone pisses you off, you know, you have a fight with someone you like or you're in a relationship with or a friend and you're just like, you know, I don't, and you have like everything coming at you, you feel overwhelmed and everything like that. I think that for me was just a huge, I guess, shock to the system, realizing you have all these feelings because I realized that I would feel happy sometimes, not that often. I would feel sad a lot of the time, but then most of the time I felt numb. And then I realize now that like, there's so many different types of feelings out there, things I don't understand until like I'm in the moment. Um, and then another thing for me that I learned was that um, boundaries are a thing. I have boundaries that I want to have boundaries, that I respect other people's boundaries, and I want them to respect mine. Uh, that was new because I didn't, I wasn't raised with boundaries or even anything like that. Like I would read books and stuff about them. Like I have no idea what any of it. Like I understand it, mm-hmm. but to put it in action, I'm like nah, you know. And then it's so it was interesting for me just putting up boundaries on people that were in my life at the time and seeing how they react to it. Sometimes they would react nice or, or cool with it, and they're like, fine, I totally respect that. And then sometimes they would react so poorly, and I'm just like, whoa, 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 what's what's all that, you know? Mm. Um, and that I have like a value system like I'm really big on honesty which for someone who pretty much never showed who they really were at all to people and would I would quickly backtrack and say half truth all the time especially when I was really deep in my drinking um, just to cover my tracks and then of course having to remember that luckily I have a great memory but still that stuff isn't fun all the time 
Um, just learning that I have all these different types of values, like, you know, honesty and compassion and integrity and like all these things and honor, like stuff like that. Discovering that those things matter to me and not just in, that I show them or I work to show them outside, like externally, but they matter to me in the types of relationships that I cultivate with people in my life, you know, and that's what type of an energy that I want to attract. Um, give out as well as attract back to me and it I would have been able to do any of that stuff really if I was still drinking because I was just numbing myself all the time and around a lot of toxic people because I was so used to being around toxic people I thought that was okay because I'm like no one's perfect everybody has shit you know so who am I to say like this is wrong and, and plus I was raised around nothing but you know a toxic environment my parents loved me as as best as they could, but you know, it wasn't always pleasant, you know, and and I feel like being sober has helped me be, be able to connect the dots more from my past into how it kind of plays out in, into my future and like being able to stop most of the loops that stay in your head because I think we get in our head and loops start to play out. Um, and then if you're not aware enough to stop it, you'll just keep playing the same shit out. And, you know, that was me for a good chunk of my life. So I'm thankful in the fact that I am sober and I've had the ability to step, take a step back and really start looking at myself and the stuff that I put out there as well. So. Yeah, <laughs> it was a lot, but I heard a lot of stuff that I really resonated with and I'm sure a lot of people will too. So thank you for that. Um, I, when I'm hearing you talk, a lot of it is like, you're figuring yourself out and like you're trying to like acceptance really awareness acceptance acknowledgement and it's such a beautiful thing um and i feel like we're always thinking like from a young age up until we really realize like what the world is we're like oh like by 30 i'll have everything figured out and it's still like a big culture of like by this age you should have this and this and this and it's like but no that's not how real life works like not everybody has everything figured out by 30 and a and a, you know a, a husband or a wife and a picket fence like that's not actual reality and most of us don't have it figured out by the time it's like oh maybe i should have that figured out it's like what should why yeah i like that too i feel like you know because i'm 30 I just turned, I turned 37 this year. I mean, I might as well just say it, but, um, and I'm, I feel like there's certain things in your life that you're going to, you're going to have it, that you're going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I feel like I, I figured out like, you know, how to keep a job. I figured out like, there's so many things living on my own. Like I figured out a lot of stuff and then there's certain things, especially when dealing with your own, like with people, because people are complex, men or women. Their complex is different and differently. And then growing you and your shit on top of that, it's like, come on. And I feel like there's a lot. And I feel like, especially within like the black or black community, people of color or whatever, I don't think we're given a lot of tools or have a lot of positive, like, you know, role models to look to when it comes to like really how to deal with you as a person mm -hmm. and what you want, you know? And it's sort of like, I didn't know what I wanted for the longest time. I mean, I, and truthfully now, can I tell you what I want? Like, I could say, well, yeah, I want a healthy relationship. I could say that for the first time. I would have probably said that last, last year because I didn't know what a healthy relationship was. 
I mean, and it's like, do I know what a healthy relationship is now? I couldn't say 100% I do, but I have an idea. And I'd rather work towards that than work towards what I thought a relationship was back a year ago. But a lot of that stuff has to do with me getting my shit together. And it's like, and that's hard, you know? But I don't think, but I like this, and this is me coming through it. Like, I had to go through and get smacked in the head a, a quite a few times and really be humbled and brought to my knees and like, listen. And just be like, you know, what I'm doing right now isn't helping me. So I do I continue doing the same thing that I know isn't helping? Or do I try to get out my own damn way and be like, let me go this way and try something new, even though it's uncomfortable, even though it's not something I, I initially would thought I needed? Because, you know, we're all kind of creatures of habit. Even if we say we like new things, we still kind of have patterns. Mm-hmm. Especially if something to really stop something and be like, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore, like a hard stop, that can freak you out. But I think, you know, you need to kind of have that moment or that shift in order to say, like, you know, I don't, I thought I would have it. I thought this is what I wanted. Maybe you don't want to have kids. Maybe you don't want to get married. And that's okay. I feel like there's, like, we get so bogged down on like how you were saying, like, you know, by 30 by 35, by 27, by this. And it's like, you know, why? Like, who, who sets this role, like, who sets this model up? You know, why do we put this pressure on ourselves? Because we're all human. We don't know everything in the world. That's the whole point. I don't know. I, have, I could go on and on about this. <laughs> <laughs> As you can see. Yes, and I love it. I love kind of, like, breaking down these sort of things because, you know, you can know on a logical level, like, I don't have my shit together, and that's okay, but, like, we're just bogged down by this stuff, like, all the time, we're so saturated in it, so even if you know that logically, it still doesn't feel good, you're like, oh my god, but this person has this and that, and why can't I be like that, or whatever, you know, it's really hard to get caught up in that. So easy, especially, social media doesn't help. Yeah. Like that with it real quick. If you're already feeling insecure about your own self. Right. So I see you. Um, so how do you cope with these things now that you're not like numbing and you have to be vulnerable and be uncomfortable and kind of sit in those feelings? How do you uh, like deal with that? How do you cope with that? Um, <laughs> um I, I mean, I go to therapy, mm. so I'm a big believer in that, and, um, and for the rest of it, I think it's just being very honest about where I am, you know, um, being vulnerable, knowing that I'm going to make, make mistakes. I think, re- I didn't realize how vulnerable not really having a coping mechanism like that that could take me out of my head. Um, I didn't realize how vulnerable I would be with, you know, without it, you know, because I was just so used to numbing myself all the time or almost as a fair bit of the time. So I think right now I just kind of try my best to be kind to myself. I had to learn self-compassion, mm-hmm. um, which is something that our mindfulness, which is stuff like if you told me that a year ago, I've been like, you like what you know what's that about like that's a waste of my time get out of my face you know and it's and, and 
now like I totally get it you have to be kind to yourself you have to realize there's a lot of things that I don't know I wasn't raised that doesn't mean that I can't learn and and then some of it it's like you kind of just have to be okay with being uncomfortable and it and that's not fun that's I mean that's the part that's not fun and I'm not I never would say that that is fun but I will say that I haven't had this level of growth in such a short period of time ever in my life. Like the person that I feel now, like I share on my, on my Instagram, one of them, like I have a picture because I lost like about 65 or 70 pounds since the beginning of this year. And, but then if you look, I have a picture of me now and the picture of me from way like the same time last year. And it looks like two totally different people. And to me, it's sort of like, at the same time, I look at these people and like, I don't recognize either one of them. I don't recognize the person that was 70 pounds heavier. But then I look at myself now and I don't recognize that person now because I'm still getting to know that person. But there's a level of just being like, oh, having to be okay with that. And giving your, and like having forgiveness of self, forgiveness of others. Not saying if you forgive other people that you still have to have them in your life. Because you can still forgive people and be like, you're not good for me. So you still, like, we still can't deal with each other. Mm-hmm. But, you know, shit happens. And then have an element of just saying, like, you know, I'll figure it out and see how it goes. And if it, and if it doesn't work for me, I will change. And, but you have to be so honest with yourself. Like, hold yourself accountable more than anything. And, but on the other hand, if you can do that, you, it's so freeing because you don't have to second guess yourself you don't have to say like what did I tell someone else because it's like it's all out there and and it's you but it's new it's new especially if it's something that you're not familiar with but you will grow so much as a person and so even though I have the moments like right now I'm going through a phase where I'm just like I feel so vulnerable right now like I don't know like I just want to like run and scream into the night but that moment will pass like I know that moment will pass and then I'll be fine and there's no need for it that's just something that you go through and then you come out the other side and you're just like okay life keeps going life goes on and you don't have to drink over it or do whatever you do over it um it's just kind of rewiring those types of loops in your brain to kind of go into a positive direction instead of spiraling out into your old familiar patterns because you still will have that Um, but you have a choice it may not always be the choice you want to do in the moment but you do have the choice I love that so much I was gonna say um like in the moment when I know that I'm doing something that like I probably shouldn't like it feels so bad to try to rewire but it feel and it feels so much better to just go to what I know and stay in that comfortability. And so Mm -hmm. when I actually do do it and I'm like, look at you, you could have made that wrong decision and you decided to go against it. It's like, there's no better feeling than that. Like you're like, that is called growth. That's what that is. Yes. Girl. Yes. Hashtag growth. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so I feel like we should jump into the toxicity of maternal relationships. Oh, that was such a good oh. conversation, though. Thank you so much for being so open. No, I love it. no problem. Okay, so I like to start off by asking 
all of my guests what their definition of toxicity is. Um, and I want to ask you uh, that, but also more specifically, uh, how do you define toxicity within maternal relationships as well? Ah, okay. So I feel like toxicity is when you have, when it comes to relationships with people, I mean, there's, I feel like it usually has to do with like environment. So, but I also think it deals with when needs are not being met. Um, but there isn't the, you don't have the necessary tools or know how to really communicate that the needs aren't being met. So in order to somehow get your needs met, you fall back into familiar patterns that you may have learned from watching your parents, having to deal with your family or school or environments, like something that happened to you when you were younger, Mm -hmm. um, that usually may have helped you when you were younger. But as an adult, no longer, I guess, serve you or serve the, um, or serve like the relationship or, or whatever that you're currently trying to like change or more. I think for me also like toxicity is just, I mean, I feel like a lot of it just boils down not being able to communicate expectations, not being able to, uh, not being able to understand or provide boundaries, like respect someone's boundaries or have someone respect your boundaries or be able to communicate that. Um, a lot of it to me boils down to just lack, just not being able to know yourself, lack of communication, um, not being able to articulate what you need and want in a very um, positive way. When it comes to maternal relationships, I think it's always interesting for me as, um, cause I don't have any kids, but um, I have friends that have kids and stuff. And I, and then my friends have mothers, like I had a mother, my mom passed away when I was 23. But um, I also, I, when I talk about um, my mother, and some of the stuff that transpired between she and I, uh, I was, and I would talk about it, like, you know, I would just say it. And people would stop and just look at me. And I, for the longest time, I would just be like, well, what's up? They're like, you do realize that's kind of jacked up, right? And I'm like, no, that's kind of, we all have our, our stuff. So I would normalize and trivialize it. So I think when it comes to mother and daughters, it's like an interesting dynamic because it's sort of like the daughter's looking up to the mother because that's like a role model and figure to her. And it also depends on where that mother is in her mind state, you know, because there's what I've learned as I've been going through everything, dealing with a lot of the stuff with me and my mom is that, you know, parents can be jealous of their kids. Parents can um, want the best for the kids, but not know how to give them, provide that for them because they didn't get that. So there's a lot of like trauma intergenerationally and not being able to break out of that because you just, you, you just don't know how because you kind of just are going through day by day doing the same thing. And I feel like I've seen within my friends a lot of some positive mother-daughter relationships. And then I've also seen on the flip side, too, and then my own stuff. So I think it's just, I mean, I know this is a long-winded question. I'm very long-winded on your show. But mm-hmm. I think it really does boil down to how aware and accountable someone is, not only to, like, themselves, but to the other people that matter to them and, I guess, in their life or in their environment. 
um, and being able to articulate that in a healthy way. And I feel that when they're not able to, that's when it becomes toxic because in order to get the result that they want, you result into playing out roles or um, patterns that you probably picked up at a young age if you also came from a unhealthy background. Am I making sense? I feel like I'm talking in circles. I probably am. <laughs> no, I love it though because it's like you kind of are, but there's like something new. Like you circle back and then there's something new that you're adding to it. So it's really, it's really interesting to hear you talk about it. Um, yeah, I, I talk like, about, I think about it a lot, but it's just, yeah, I feel like it's, yeah, I'll just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like, I, I hear a lot of what you're saying and a lot of it has to do with like communication and what that looks like for like each person and yeah. how some wires yeah. cross because there's, there may be a lack of, a lack of communication or even like a lack of comprehension. I think it's, I mean, that's a fair point. Like comprehension is a key because it's like you can communicate all damn day, but if you can't comprehend what someone else is saying, you might as well just be speaking Greek right. to someone. They're not going to, like, the message is not going to fall. So, I mean, that's a very fair and a very accurate point in my opinion. Like it's about the communication, but also comprehending and being open to hearing what another person is saying. Right. Um, it's not always easy though, you know? At all. And like, like you were saying earlier, like humans are like, we're just so complicated sometimes. And so to add on top of that, these kind of uh, dynamics that are also always shown like in a positive light, right? They're always shown like in this way that like mother and daughter and best friends and whatever else. And it's like, well, that's not reality all of the time, you know? No, it's not, you know? And like for my perspective of me and my mom, like I don't, I, I don't know her, you know? I really don't. Like, and it sucks because it's like I've had my I had my mom for 23 years of my life, but it's like my brother, and I, like my brother tells me these stories about her, and I'm and sometimes I'm like I remember being there, but I don't remember that happening at all, you know. Yeah. Or my brother would say, "Oh, me and mom used to do this, this, and this, and do this and this," and I'm like, "Well, that sounds cool. That's interesting." But we never did. We she and I never did anything like that. Like my my total um, view for my mother our relationship with my mother is kind of like we were estranged a lot of our life you know and we lived in the same house and she did some traumatic stuff to me too and I'm not saying that I'm perfect like I'm I'm quick to say I'm not perfect that's something that I need to stop always leading with so my therapist does but but um uh I I admit that you know I'm I I I make mistakes and I do things too but I think it's just, I always found it interesting, like when I talk to other people about their mom, their mother, and most of them that I know, they have pretty fairly good relationships with their mom. And they're just like, wow, like I can't even imagine what that's like. But I'm like, that's just always been my life. But now that I'm sober and stuff, and I look back on things and like types of situations and relationships, like my stuff with my mom played out in like so many of my relationships. And I, I um, identify as queer, actually. I date both men and women. And um, and I will say, doesn't matter, it didn't matter if it was a male or a female, 
or a man or a woman, because I hate actually saying female, but a <laughs> man or a woman, uh, I, like, it, like, some of the stuff that we went through in the relationship, like, I could tie back to stuff with me and my mom. Like, I was still playing something out between me and her. And then it took me finally being able to stop it and just look at it and be like, oh, that's where that's coming from to, in order for me to start to be able to change it. It's crazy. It was wild. Like, once you start really realizing, realizing that type of thing about yourself. Can you talk about that a little more? Because that was actually one of my questions. If you felt like your relationship with your mother affected other relationships in your life. Girl, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, she plays. Um, so, let's see. My mom, um, God bless her. May she rest in peace. Like, I really, I really do love my mom, and she's actually one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. So um, I have respect for her in that, in that aspect, too. When it comes to raising me, though, um, I had a lot of stuff. Like, my dad had to fill in the gaps for me, too, after she passed away. So I have a level of, like, sadness and empathy for things that she went through because she had a lot of trauma in her background as well. Um, so a lot of stuff that makes sense doesn't necessarily make it right but it makes sense. But um, when it comes to my relationship, though, oh, uh, my mom was very withholding. So she would know that you wanted some type of, like, confirmation or you wanted her to acknowledge something or give a kind word, a hug or a kiss on the cheek or whatever. She knew you wanted that. And she would intentionally not do it, mm. you know. Um, she was very much a gaslighter. Um, and she would do this, like, for months at a time. When um, once, when I was in my junior year of high school, she found my diary. It was the night of my junior prom. I remember this like it was yesterday. But uh, it was not my junior prom. She found my diary. And typical teenager stuff. Like, I talk about everything. I was talking about my parents. I was talking about her. I was, like, mad saying all this stuff. You know? Because you're a teenager. You have all these feelings. I don't know. Really angry. Um, <laughs> angsty, <laughs> angry for no reason. So I'm like, why am I so angry? How do you know? Uh, <laughs> but, you know, within that, I was also talking about, like, me figuring out, like, you know, I'm not exactly straight. I don't know what this means. Blah, blah, blah. So she read all that shared it with my entire family so like my brother my dad everybody read it and then she came to me and said that you know I was an abomination like she's not gonna have a gay daughter blah 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 and she didn't stop she stopped talking to me for like a year so didn't acknowledge me for a year I was like dead to her and like we would see each other and she was just not mm. saying anything she was saying nothing for a year and it hurt because, you know, my mom, I came from you, you gave birth to me. It's like, what is this? But also hurt that my dad and my brother, like, they kind of just allowed her to do that, you know? So, so there was, like, stuff like that that would happen between her and I. And, you know, we had gradually started talking and stuff again. And, you know, when she got sick, you know, we had to make amends on certain things. But stuff like that can kind of, like, fuck with you, you know? whether you realize it or not. And I think that 
also impacted the type of people that I would be attracted to. I would be attracted to the people that would be into me, but had no problem shutting me out really fast. Mm. You know, like I wouldn't, if I didn't do something a certain way, they would, they would be like, I'm not, they would cut me off. They wouldn't talk to me for weeks at a time or months at a time. And, and then they show up like it was nothing, you know, or people that were like, well, you're just being like, you're taking this, you're making this a bigger deal than it needs to be when it's like, well, no, kind of like we're out in public and you kind of just got really mad and aggressive and then walked away from me. Like, why wouldn't I, like, why wouldn't that kind of, you know, bother me, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's like that never happened before. But it's like, and then when I started thinking about that type of stuff and I was like, oh shit, you know, that's so much stuff that would happen between me and my mom. Like she would turn on a dime so fast and she would be quick to not talk to you, be quick to not know that you wanted something from her and not give it because she knew you wanted it and she didn't want to be vulnerable or she didn't want to relent. She didn't want to say she was sorry. Um, in fact, she never said sorry for anything to me until I saw her when she was dying in the hospital, you know? Um, and it's like a lot of that stuff I would play out with the types of people that I would end up in relationship with people that would not want to apologize, would not want to talk things through fear trying to have, like you had a disagreement, would not want to talk things through with me, would rather ignore it, would rather ignore me or quick to not talk to me. Like, it's like stuff like that. And then I would freak out on the inside and be like, well, what's going on? And try to overextend and try to change it. And then, you know, and that's the kind of same type of thing that I would be doing with my mom. Cause I was like, well, you, I want you to love me like so badly, like, but you're not. And I'm so something must be wrong with me. So let me fix it. Like, how can I fix it? And um, no matter what I could do, like, you know, I was a child. There's no way I, I didn't know. How can, you know, she's an adult, but I was just trying to appease her. Um, but that stuff, just because I never wrapped my head around it mm-hmm. until I would say this year when I really started making a lot of breakthroughs. Last year, too, I can't lie. Um, I, I, but until I had to really stop and assess myself and look at it and look at things that were left unsaid between me and her and then see how it applied to a lot of the, the types of people that I would allow into my life and allow to be close to me. It's like, I kind of still wanted to play out the fact that I felt like I was some rejected, dejected little girl who couldn't be loved for the person that she was. Like I always had to keep a mask or an appearance on with the people that I was with. Um, and I felt like I could never be me or have them see me because there was something wrong with me at the end of the day. And that was a direct line from how I felt like my mom made me feel growing up. Oh, that is awful. So two questions. Were you, I I, I think I heard you say, so were you able to reconcile with your mother before she passed? And my other question was, so yes. Oh, what was your other question? I'm sorry. Um, my other question was, um, I heard you mention that, um, there was like something with your brother and your father allowing it. Was that ever a conversation you were able to have with them? I will say 
like my brother, like I love him. He's, we're really close, but emotionally, he's not that guy. I don't know if he'll ever be that guy. I don't know. You know, um, he's going through his own thing, you know, and he has stuff with my dad and it's just like, you know, so I feel like he and I will cross that bridge when it's ready for us to really cross that bridge and talk about, you know, how our relationships with our parents were, but he gets really defensive and stuff really quickly and things like that. So I'm like, oh, maybe that's not the time. My dad, however, um, is awesome. So, and my dad, if you just read like a, a biography of him, like a bio of him, like he would say like this guy born and raised in the South, military, religious, still involved in the church, heavily involved in the church, like doesn't swear, doesn't drink, any of that stuff. He would think like, oh, well, he's very close-minded. He, he wouldn't be able. But my dad is actually, his EQ is amazing when it comes to, I guess, relating to me now as an adult. Um, when I went home from Memorial Day and I was coming out of, like, I was all over the place. Like, I was, like, this guy who was, like, we were friends, but the stuff, like, I was dealing with that and like a fallout there and then newly sober and then work was stressing me out and just freaking out and I had like a direct report who was like a pain in the ass and so I went home for Memorial Day and decided I was going to start going to AA and like my dad like he and I ended up having like this really frank discussion about my childhood about my drinking you know the whole bit you know, and I said, this is how I felt growing up most of my life. This is how I felt from X, Y, Z reasons. And he just let me talk. He, he, and he was like, I never knew you felt that way. I'm so sorry. I, I wish I could have done better. And it was like this whole, like, it was an amazing conversation. I think it was very healing for both of us, you know. And my dad was like, you know, I've been here the entire time. You know, I've always wanted you to talk to me in this way. But you would just not, you would never do that. You know, which is true. Like, I would just be like, I'm fine. Like, my blanket answer for everything is like, I'm fine. I could be crying hysterically. And then I would turn to you and be like, I'm fine, you know. And so I think, and then my dad told me stuff about my mom, which I didn't know, which helped me see where she was coming from or how she ended up the way that she was, um, which is bittersweet. You know, I wish I could have addressed it with her, but I don't know if she would ever really be open enough to do that. But I don't know. So, yeah, like, I feel like I, I have a really open relationship with my dad. Chris and I are cool. We're working it through. Um, my mom, when she was sick, we kind of went through and, like, hashed out everything. When I saw her in the hospital, she, like, started apologizing to me for, like, everything under the sun. And I was trying to stop her saying it. And I'm like, you don't need to talk about this right now. Like, we're just here. Let's be here in the moment. And my dad was like, no, she just needs to talk to you. Just let her say it, you know. And it's, I will tell you this, and I know I'm being long-winded again, but she said to me in the hospital that she's like, I always, like, I knew that you felt like I loved your brother more than you. I like, I know that's how you felt. And then she said, but she's like, but it wasn't that. I just didn't know how to be there for you after a certain age because that's when I lost my mom. So mm. she lost her mom young too. And 
the stuff that I was saying earlier about the intergenerational trauma. I mean, that, that was that. It's like, it happens, but it's just you have to be aware enough. Hopefully you don't get to a, a point like that for, for you to be, to see it. I'm thankful that she could say that to me, but it was, it's also like sad and bittersweet because, you know, it came to that moment in order for her to be able to say it to me. Yeah, what I'm hearing and when when you like talk about your mother or your brother or your father, like it just seems like you're always able to meet people where they're at. And that's such a beautiful thing, especially with like um like relationships that have so many layers to them, you know? It's good to, but the thing is, like I felt like that's how I had to survive to be able to meet people mm. where they were you know? And I think that's why I never had a sense of self or boundaries because I've always was trying to meet somebody where they were right. and, and be like, okay, how are you feeling? How do you feel safe? Never mind if I felt safe, mm. you know, or if I felt like, you know, supported. Didn't matter. It mattered more about what this other person was feeling. Now I think it makes me, now that I'm learning boundaries and stuff like that, I think it makes me a very present friend or or um, daughter or sister, you know. Yeah. But it also, but that comes with being able to step back and be like, you know, that's your battle, or you can't treat me this way, even though you're feeling that way. And back then, I didn't have any of that. I would just let people do whatever, whenever, however, and just tolerate it because I was like, well, I deserve that, or they're mad. And, you know, I can handle it. But that's bullshit. You know, I can't handle everything. It wasn't right. I mean, just because you're, you feel a certain kind of way, it's, it's, it's still fucked up for you to just project all your stuff into someone else, especially someone who's trying to help you. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I didn't stand up for myself. So there's that, too. So there's a lot of learning. There's a lot of learning that's been had these days. <laughs> and unlearning, the, which is the sucky part. <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah i'm learning is it is it's a pain in the ass no lie okay so i feel like a lot of my questions are being answered through this so let's just jump into the viral topics you are such oh my god thank you for coming on this is such a interesting conversation and i, oh, I yeah. thank you for having me this is fun <laughs> Okay, so we cannot talk about toxic maternal relationships in media without bringing up yeah. China. So, of course, <laughs> <laughs> she is going to be at the center of the rival talk today. So, she has a show on Zeus that came out not too long ago, and it caused so much conversation around toxicity uh, that can be present in mother daughter relationships that we never really talk about. So if you have not seen the clips from the TV show, um, it's like Black China and her mother just like going at it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. like, I guess the point of it was kind of to like hash out um, why they haven't been talking for years. And it just like turned into a screaming match. Um, her mother, Tokyo Tony, is like waving her hands in her face, calling her a bitch and a liar and a slut, like just anything under the sun. And at one point, this is when I was like, okay, I cannot deal with this. Basically, she's like kind of moving. She's not allowing China to move. And she's kind of like backing her into a corner at one point. And they're just like, you know, shoving, pushing a little bit. My biggest takeaways from 
that was just the bravery on China's part to kind of tell her mother to her face that she's like breaking the cycle and that her children's never gonna like see that kind of behavior. Mm -hmm. And number two, how disrespectful Tokyo Tony is being while also demanding that China respect her. She even yeah. goes so far as to say, like, I was like, what the fuck? Um, she's like, I don't care if your mother sold your pussy to an army, you better respect her. Yeah, I, like, I know. I was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse you? What did you just say? <laughs> oh my God. So what what were kind of your thoughts when um you saw that? All right. Well, I would say first I love Black China and Sophia Tony, like I, I just I chuckle or I laugh every time um, I see their name together. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I will say that, I mean, first of all, like I would say it's reality TV. So I know there's an element of stuff that happens to really Absolutely. get the viewers in. We, and we want to see the train wreck and not so much the happy ending in reality TV. I'm not going to lie. Because that's why I tune into some of them sometimes. Right. Um, but I will say this was, I don't know, like, I felt like this is, they got, it was really personal to me because with the whole thing, like, it doesn't matter. It's like, if I, like, if the mom, like, she said, like, the whole thing about her pussy and things like that, I was like, wow. And I feel like that's an element of a lot of parents. I mean, I don't know. I, I can't, like, I only could talk for black parents because I'm black, but. The, like the we're gonna thing. talk a lot yeah. about like black shit, like for sure. Yeah, yeah, but it's like do as I say, not as I do type of thing, mm -hmm. or you know, and it's like it was always that type of shit. Like you know, it doesn't matter what I do. Like I'm your parent. I brought you into this world. I can take you out. You know how many times my dad has said that to me, uh -huh. <laughs> or my mom, and it's sort of like, and it's sort of like, well, but you're still saying like really fucked up, detrimental shit to someone. Like, you know, basically just saying, like, you can just do whatever you want to me and I should just be okay with it because you're my parent. I'm like, no. I mean, I'm, you're still a human being at the end. And I understand, are you still, I should respect you? I'm like, come on. After a certain point, like, so I get to be disrespected because you're my parent, but I still have to respect you because you are. I'm like, what type of, it's like, it's like I, it's like, it's flawed thinking. So I'm like, you could be a shitty ass parent, but I'm supposed to be like, okay, mom. Okay. Okay, mom. You know, that's okay. No, because you're, I, mean, I feel like once you're a parent, you're also responsible for that child that mm. you brought into this world. So that child didn't ask for it to be brought in and they didn't ask to have you as parent, as a parent. It's like you have a responsibility there. And it's like, shouldn't you want to make sure your child feels protected and nurtured and feels like they can be their authentic self instead of having to compete? Like, I feel like there's a level of competition between these two. Like mm. the mom doesn't want black china to shine too much because then she won't get as much attention so like and i feel like that's interesting dynamic and i i i've noticed that in certain mother-daughter relationships like that the competition and i i don't know what that is really you know and i think i mean i hope if i whenever i do have kids i don't have that but i just find that interesting when i see it in action like that level of like i don't know if it's because they're threatened by the looks. I don't know if they're threatened by the attention that the daughter may be getting and how they feel, how they feel about themselves. But I see that a lot between those two. And then, um, and then with the mom not being able to probably 
verbalize what she's feeling. She's just reacting. And the only way that she knows how, which is to be, which is to attack and then put Black China on the defense. And of course, they're both going through their separate like cycles and not being able to stop it enough to be like, you know, this is kind of fucked up and not going anywhere. Um, I think Black China seems to want to not keep engaging that way. Mm. But but the mom is probably just like, well, I'm, I'm the mother. You should listen to me either way. And if this is the way I want it to go down, this is the way it's going to go down. But crazy to be like, we're you both grown ass women. And this is the best way you guys feel like you can have a conversation with each other. You know, like you can't like it's, it automatically just goes from like 10, like one to like 20 and like the span of like a couple minutes. But I think it's also because there's just probably a lot of history there, a lot of hurt and unsaid feel, like unsaid things, hurt feelings and not being able to express it in any way and feel like the other person can hear you. Cause I feel like, you know, and feeling safe in that, like if they obviously, I mean, obviously they probably don't feel like they can trust or be safe with the other person because they would not automatically just show up and be with their walls up and be on the defense. Absolutely. And I felt like while you're talking, I'm thinking about like, I'm trying to like replay like the scenes in my head and I'm kind of looking at it and it's like, they definitely know each other well enough to be able to push each other's buttons. And I feel like- You know, it's escalating because, you know, you see Tony really like riled up and stuff. And Black China's response at first is to just like not go there. But like <laughs> the looks, the little, the little shoves, like get out of my way and stuff. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you, you know what you're doing to kind of like push her buttons a little bit. But then at the end of the day, like, they're both just escalating and exploding everywhere. Yeah, but I also think because they don't know how to say, like, you know, because it's different to really be that vulnerable with someone and say, in a sense, so, like, stop. Like, what you're doing is really hurting me for X, Y, Z reason. And then so the other person be like, I'm here, let's talk about it. Like, that's, hard. that's not easy to do. Like, that's not an easy thing to do for most people. Unfortunately, you know, it's easier to just be like, put your wall up and be like, fuck you, right. you know, or no, especially if you're really close in your family or your close friends, it's like they hurt you the most because they know enough to like, they know that point in you to like hit, you know, or to keep like pushing that little thing that drives you crazy, whether it's like someone being in your space, whether it's like the little gaps, whether it's like, you know, being like under heat, under like low down, disrespectful or low key disrespectful. They like, no. So it's, it's so easy for you guys to get riled up in it. But I think it's, and it's hard enough to take a step back when you're pissed, you know? And if you're not used to being able to talk about your anger in a constructive way, like, then you have nowhere else to go but up mm. until, like, it explodes and then what you scrap or whatever happens, happens, you know? Because you don't know any other way. That's just what you are accustomed to. And that to me is sad, you know, that we're not taught, you know, to talk about our feelings. Everybody's like, well, that's, you know, that's like, you know, that's wussy stuff. That's whatever. Who needs to talk about their feelings? But it's like, obviously we do because you wouldn't have two grown ass people acting this way. You know, there's a lot of hurt and upset feelings here, but no one's saying that. Everyone's saying everything else, but, but at the bottom of it, when you're angry, a lot of that boils down to you either feeling hurt by something or you're feeling ashamed about something. So exactly. And I feel like it's so much easier to tap into that anger 
than it is to just be like, I'm hurt. Like, I'm really sad about this. And it, because it's like, it's a little, it's definitely not a little, a lot more vulnerable to be like, you hurt me. I am sad about that. As opposed to I'm angry, you're a bitch, get the fuck out of my face. Like that's so much easier. It is. Cause then you're feeling like I'm putting this other person down, so they're feeling like how I'm feeling right now. Right. Instead of just to take a step back and just be like, you know, what you said is fucked up. That hurt my feelings. And people are gonna be like, feelings? You know, because it's like feelings are trivialized in our culture. So okay. like why would you have feelings? Like who needs that's not like, you know, you're not hard, you're not this, you're not that. Like, you know, uh like you feel stuff that's not you know, and it's like we all feel you feel stuff I mean, Ugh. i'm like who does that i'm like <laughs> everyone does that obviously because look how you're acting that's nothing but your feelings coming out but you can't articulate it give me a fucking break it just makes me it's heartbreaking because it's like you know that stuff becomes patterns and that keeps going through generations and generations of someone's like bold enough to say it stops with me and that is hard to do, you know? And I mean, you're gonna backslide because you know, that's all you know, but as long as you keep moving forward, I mean, kudos, I give you props because, you know, I would rather see someone be like, you know, if Black China says like, that's, that, that's it, like my kids are not gonna know that, props to her because it's so easy just to be like, I'm just gonna keep it going because why, why stop? You know, it works for everybody else, but it works for me, like, why would I change anything? So I say, good for her. If she's really going to stop, I guess, stop the cycle from going. Absolutely. Uh, it's people. like uh, when you were talking about, like, the generational trauma, like, th- that shit could go on for, like, <laughs> so damn long. And it's like, at what point is it going to stop? Is it going to stop with you? Or are you going to allow it to continue on? Or is this what you're going to be feeding your daughter? Is that yeah. what you're going to be feeding her daughter, you know? Because kids are like sponges. Like, Absolutely. you know, I remember so many things that I saw between my parents. And I'm like, am I, I'm, and I'm not foolish enough to say, or I was like, I'm not, I guess, I guess I was saying it right. I don't know. But I was like, I remember so much stuff from my parents and their marriage and the stuff that I've, I've seen between them too, that I, I cannot say that that hasn't impacted me at all. Like, I mean, of course it has. So it's like, you know, but it's like, so interesting like how so much like trauma and all that stuff is so normalized because you just become so accustomed to it and you're like that's just how life is and it takes someone it takes either you to step outside of it enough to be like no this is wrong and usually that's like you know if you go to therapy or maybe you i don't know you decide to read about certain things or um i'm just saying like you know that's wrong and then like i'm gonna try something different i'm gonna try something better for myself and for my types of relationships that I have. But it's crazy. Like, if you really look back on it, like, you know, look at what your parents do versus their grandparents versus their parents. Like, how many things are so similar? Mm-hmm. And it's like, no one thinks because it's like, that's just how life is. Everybody just gives up and just says, well, this is how it is, how culture is. Like, you know, why change it? But I'm like, well, why can't you? If you're not happy and fulfilled, like, why, why, is this, why do you keep going down that path? It's also because you get complacent and, you know, you just, you get used to it, which is sad. Absolutely. I think about the stuff way too much. So I, I want to know what your opinion is on 
this idea in the Black community of, like, tough love? And also, like, where's the line between, like, tough love and discipline versus, like, physical, mental, emotional abuse? Because I don't um, think about that, like, at all. No. I mean, um, my opinion of it, I feel like tough love, I think there is a line. Like, you know, I was disciplined as a child. I got, like, the belt, the ruler, and stuff like that. Not that often, but I did get it. Not to fear my dad. But... I think what was different, like, my dad was, like, physically, like, there, like that. Um, My mom was very emotionally abusive, you know. I wouldn't consider my dad physically abusive, though. But I, because at the end of the day, like, I knew my dad loved me. Whereas, like, emotionally abusive to my mom is because I never thought she did. I really thought, you know, I was just, like, a bane to her existence. Or she was, like, she could have taken me or or left me she did not particularly care or love me so that's like kind of like how I see the difference I think I don't understand I understand tough love because I do feel like sometimes in society and I see it more now um that there is this whole thing that you know everybody's a winner there's no losers and things like that um and I think that isn't I whereas I understand that because there's good in everything um you learn a lot from your failures than your successes I believe but I do think there is a comment of like, there has to be a loser in certain aspects. Doesn't make you a bad person. Doesn't make you anything, but it's, it's sort of like, how do you, how you do you frame it in your head? Do you let that define you or do you let that encourage you to be better and try again? You know? Um, and I feel that tough love can help with stuff like that. But you, I think it, it also, I think it boils down to whether there's love and respect and care there and I feel like that's something you know that's something you know that's something that you pick up on because if someone doesn't give a fuck about you it uh, it comes across and it stings more because like like I said my mom like I felt like she didn't really care about me so the stuff that she said to me really hit me and impacted me because it's like I love my mom but she didn't return that whereas like if my if I disappointed my dad I would feel upset that I disappointed him but I still knew that he loved me at the end of the day. He would do anything within his power for me. And I think there is being able to just realize the, the bottom line of it all, which is tricky. Using discipline all the time to keep a child in check isn't the way to do it because I feel like either the child's going to rebel or really shut down and not be able to communicate. I feel like you need to be able, but at the same time, I understand there's certain things you need to be able to discipline them so they'll pull the line and understand that things are wrong. But I also think you need to be able to talk, teach the children to be able to talk things through or talk things out. And I don't think we in the Black community, I don't think we're taught that. But yeah, I do think that there has to be discipline, but there needs to definitely be like love there at the end of the day. But there needs to be love at the end of the day from both parties and both sides because that's what matters because without it I think that's when it becomes very abusive because the especially if it's a, the person that has a position of authority then the person that isn't in that position will have to bear the brunt of that and I think that's damaging and that's going to change how you see the world really I hear you and I feel that so much. And I think all the things that we're kind of talking about are connected, right? So you're talking, we're talking about like discipline and 
like when that line of discipline and like abuse, but also like when I hear you talking, I'm thinking back to our conversation about how some parents think that no matter what you are to respect them, like they can do whatever, be as shitty and you still have to respect them. But that's also connected to like communication. All of this comes back to like communication and comprehension and you have to have those minds kind of open, you know? Yeah. And it is hard because if you come like the parents, if you come from a background or a family history that didn't allow that, like my parents, the stuff that I know about their family, shit. Um, And then no wonder I say certain times, like that's why I say I like, I don't like my parents did the best that they could. I will say that like, you know, and, but I do think once you have children, you do have responsibility to your child. It doesn't become, it's not about you anymore. It's about this person who is dependent on you to really, and, and through you, that kind of helps shape how they see themselves and see the world. And people can be like, well, that's heavy. But I'm like, well, then don't have kids because it's sort of like, it's different. They're not like a cat or a dog. You know, it's not a pet. Like this is a human being that is like, they don't know anything until you start showing them stuff. And it's like, I understand that, you know, there's a discipline and there's all that type of stuff, but you, sh- I feel like in our community, like we really need to work on those soft skills. And I know that it's not seen as something macho or, you know, it's not something that is known for, I don't know. Like, I don't even know how you would want to like quantify or classify or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not seen as a good life, but I feel like that stuff matters so much more because there's so many people, like I tell my best friend this, I told her this, I think the other day, there's so many people that I see out there in the world, like these grown ass people and grown ass bodies, but they're not like grown ass people, you know, they yeah. just have an adult body. But if you talk to them mentally or emotionally, they're not, they're kids. Absolutely. And, and I feel like a lot of that is like society, but I feel like that goes also back to the parents because it's like, they, you have no idea. Like these people, like these people, like they don't know what they want to do, what they want to be. And I guess that goes back to like you don't have to have all the way together, but at least be honest that you don't. And then I guess also have the desire to try to figure it out instead of just keeping the cycle going. Because like I think that's what it is. It's like you just not having the the desire or the confidence to try it, and then just keeping the cycle going generation after generation after generation is like come on guys i mean we could like let's do the damn thing as like a community because like we fucking so many people look to us for like fashion for like all this other stuff and it's like come on let's do it already but easier said than done and it's like i can't point fingers because look at where i was for so many years of my life Mm -hmm. so i'm ranting (laughs) <laughs> I love it though. Like it makes so much sense. <laughs> Girl, no. I'm trying to stay focused on our topic. <laughs> I could go on about so many other different things. Another and I'm horrible because I'll be like, uh huh. Tell me more. Uh huh. Keep going. Yes, I love the rant. <laughs> but I hear you talking, uh, and I'm like. I, I talk about this with my friends all the time, and and therapy all the time, where. I I can, I'm aware of that in other people, you know, you see that, that guy in the hood that, you know, it's always just going to be that hood dude. He's always going to be in that mentality of like running around doing what he does and bringing it back to me. I can, I say all the time, like, 
I'm so stunted in so many areas of my life because you kind of like stop growing in some areas. And that has to do with trauma. That has to do with your parents. That has to do with the experience that shaped you in those times of that of your life when you are that sponge. You are just soaking up everything around you, you know? Yeah, and it's a survivor mentality. Like, it's a scarcity mindset and a survivor mentality. And we ha- all have that if you're, like, victims of trauma. And a lot of people say when you say trauma, people are like, whoa, like, that, like, it wasn't some catastrophic thing. I'm like, trauma doesn't have to be, like, you know, you were in a war zone, you know, it could just, it's sort of like just being dependent on someone who's supposed to take care of you and they didn't. I mean, that has an element of trauma because you had lost lack of trust, you know, safety, like, like simple things that you want or you, you crave as like a kid were violated, you know, and it's like, you didn't ask for that. And it's sort of like that takes how you view yourself and view other people, whether you can trust other people or how you let them trust or how you trust them. And I feel like that's the thing, but I mean, I feel like kudos to you, but though, like the fact that you say you've sent it, there's nothing wrong with that, but you're also saying, but you're aware of it. I, there's so, it's so interesting for me, and I kept count myself among those people for like a lot of my life too, but it's sort of to say like, how many people just are just not aware that they are, mm-hmm. you know? They kind of just go around with blinders on, playing out these cycles like over and over again and finding themselves drawn to chaotic people because that's just what they're used to. And if someone isn't chaotic shows up, you're like, what is that? Like, who are you? You're weird. (laughs) I'm going to push this out, you know? And, and it's sort of just like how it plays out. And it's like an an element of addiction. I think um, a lot of people, when you start, um, people that are addicted to substances and when I say like, you know, it can be drugs, it can be food, it can be sex, it can be alcohol, whatever, a lot of the people in that in those areas or in those arenas, they come from a lot of it they are still playing some aspects out of their trauma or they're trying to numb their trauma instead of going through it. So that's kind of like how you go into like this escape and it takes you out of yourself or out of your head enough in order to convince yourself that you're okay. Right. Um that's a little little side thing about addiction for you. <laughs> yeah, but, um, absolutely. I think addiction's another one of those words where people are like, wait, what? Hold on. We think we think about it so just like one way where it's like you hear the word trauma and you know you were in a battlefield, you were raped, you were this, you were that. When it you know it doesn't have to be that. I feel the same way with a addiction where it's not like this one thing where you know you're you're looking at drugs or alcohol like that encompasses so many things yeah it's a very much of a blanket thing because like i said it could be anything i feel like anything that makes you happy and can make you happy for a long period of time like mine just showed up in alcohol but it's like it was food to some aspects of like sex stuff but it's like it could be anything but it could be like social media it could be video games it could be gambling it's like it, it could, could be, be food. anything yeah it's like anything that takes you out of yourself enough to make you feel like you're okay or that you feel better you don't have to really cope with what's going on you can that's that's nothing but an addiction breeding ground there but it's like as soon as you throw up that word they're like whoa 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 i'm not on intervention right that's not me i have a job I've never been arrested no but i'm like yo but that's the reason why people feel like they can't really be themselves or talk about things because it's like, well, 
that's taboo. That means I'm really, really fucked up or there's something wrong with me or, you know, I can't be loved. But it's like, everybody has their shit. Everybody has their shit. That's the human experience. So let go of all that guilt and shame or trying to like project it or make someone feel ashamed and just like own it. Be like, this is what happened to me. This is what my story is. Doesn't necessarily mean that that's me now, but you know, I had to go through that in order to get here. So I'm cool with it. I know that's not the topic, but you know. <laughs> I love getting off topic. <laughs> Girl, exactly. We can always do this because my ass is queen of getting off topic <laughs> real quick. You're like, damn, this is not what I was. I signed up for. I'm like, well, it happened that way. Uh, that's when you, that's where you get all the gems, all the good stuff. It's like, ooh, I didn't even know you were gonna go down that path. <laughs> I know. And you're like, hold on, how am I gonna get this into the episode? That's nothing to do with what we were talking about. <laughs> Let's just own it already. Oh God. Oh my God. Cynthia, it has been such a pleasure talking to you. Why don't you let everybody I know? know? Oh no, I was just clean. I was just making a noise. I was saying, uh, yeah. oh, yeah, um, I, this was a lot of fun. I'm so glad we finally could connect. I know the first time it didn't work out, but I love this. I love your show. I like your topic. So any time that you like, if you could always invite me back because this was fun. Yes, I absolutely so. will. I feel like uh, through the ranting, <laughs> you have a lot of stuff to share, and I love it. Yeah. Uh, yes, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but yes, there's always. <laughs> I, I will talk, for sure. Um, do you have anything you want to plug? You can plug your podcast again. Tell everybody where they can find you. Um, yes, so I'm, I, yeah, so you can find me on the social media channels, the usual ones. I have a podcast that drops episodes every Thursday at 8 o'clock Eastern. It's called Getting Your Shit Together. It's on all the major platforms, so Spotify, iTunes. If you like it, please like and give me a review. I love it. Um, I'm also on Instagram at Getting Your Itch Together, Twitter at Getting Your SH Together, because I couldn't swear on Twitter. Um, and feel free to reach out for any time. I'm always for um, open to people. If you're curious about addiction or trauma or recovery or just anything random in life, uh, feel free to reach out to me. I love hearing from people. I also take Q&A. So if you ever have a question, you don't necessarily have to give me your real name. You can or you can give me an alias. That's happened too. And I, if you're open to it, I will talk about it on the air or I'll respond back to you via the channel that you send me the message on. Um, I'm starting to do a lot more interviews. so. Um, a lot more interesting varying content with a lot of different POVs so I think that would be of interest to my audience and I always try to have it be from a um, POV of a of black black centered black focus just so we can crush stigmas when it comes to addiction and recovery in our community so if anyone you know fits that or will be interested please let them know about my little show Great, great, great. Well, that has been another episode of Toxic as Fuck. Thank you for joining. Bye. Bye. Hi, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode and all the episodes I've put out thus far. 
Um, definitely let me know what you think. I can be reached at uh, Toxic AF Pod on Instagram as well as on Twitter at Ellis the Poet. That is E L Y S the Poet on Twitter. Um, and yeah, definitely leave a rating and a review if you're liking what you're hearing. And let me know what you want to talk about because I'll find somebody to come on and talk about it with me. <laughs> Stay tuned for the next episode, guys. I appreciate the love and support. Bye.